And I know He's got an awesome word uh, for us as a church. So, um, yeah, take it away. So good. Man, can we just praise God just one more time? Come on, let's give Him a clap of praise. God, we give You all the glory this morning. You're so good, God. We thank You for who You are. We praise You. We let it break this morning. Thank You, Jesus. We praise You. We praise You. Man, it's so good to be in a house that knows how to praise and worship. I love that. And I love how you guys know what it is to exist in a sustained period of time, you know. It's like in worship, it's like, I just believe that you never waste time in the presence of God. Whenever you have a sustained time with God, it's never a waste of time. Never feel like you're being unproductive in the presence of God. You don't need to check your diary. Come on, amazing things are happening when you're in His presence. Worship, so good. Hey, thank you so much, team. You got a great team. You got a fantastic worship team. Why don't you give it up for them? They deserve it. They deserve it, Clap. You guys are phenomenal. Man, well, it's so good to be here. As I said, I'm from Dunedin, the city of Dunedin, which is super exciting. Um, there's so many connections with this church, uh, with Dunedin, which is awesome. So I'm a part of the, the team there at Equippers Church. Um, there and yeah, God's just been doing really great things um, in the church at the moment, which is so exciting. And I just want to affirm that uh, movie May that's coming up. We've just gone through movie March, and it was amazing. I know that sometimes when we think about movies, we can think that that's less spiritual, but I like to think of movies as the modern day parables. You know, Jesus walked around and he told parables of the human condition. And I love how movies actually are an art form, a storytelling form that actually develop and show the human condition. And sometimes we actually found it was probably the most powerful thing that we've done that connected with the brokenness, but then connected us to God who heals us. So I really want to affirm what's happening in movie May here in Timaru. It was so exciting over our movie March. We saw 30 brand new salvations in church. I want to clear that hope. Hopefully, come on, we can believe that there's going to be salvations here through Movie May as well. Invite friends out. It was incredible to see all the different people who came in and were impacted by different films and the way it connected. So, yeah, I really want to affirm what's happening here in this church. It's so exciting. Uh, other great things happening in Dunedin. Kids' ministry's booming. <laughs> the youth ministry's growing. It's so exciting. And the young adults' ministry is also growing. So it's awesome to see God move. Uh, in those ways, and we're, we're so blessed and so thankful to see lives transformed by Him. Uh, a great testimony from last week was uh, the youth had a, a service on Friday night, and they called it an encounter night, where the youth encountered Jesus, and uh, they actually had uh, eight responses uh, that night, which was so exciting. I think we can celebrate that, but yeah, let's celebrate that. Come on, it's, it's so good. But what's even more exciting is that uh, a parent decided to turn up to, to the, the youth group because they thought, well, my youth's going along to this thing. I should probably see what they're getting into. Like, I have no idea what my kid's off to. This could be the weirdest thing ever. So they turn up and they turn up halfway through and hear about half of the message. And at the end, they respond to Jesus and give their life to Jesus. <laughs> I love how God works. It's so funny how he works. Eh? So, man, there's been some awesome things happening, some great things happening. And it's a real privilege uh, in Dunedin to come under the leadership of Pastor Will and Desiree Levy. Uh, they do a phenomenal job, and I don't take like, lightly the covering uh, that they bring. And um, yeah, I just don't take covering lightly. I, I love that there's leaders that God positions. And I really feel like we're called to honor those positions. And I think it covering like a cycling race. You know, when cycling, cycling race, it's like, 
They're going like this. I hope you're not one of those cyclists who runs two to a breast, you know, like, ugh. But anyway, in a cycling race, you're going along like this, and you're all behind each other, and you're in the slipstream of the person who's leading, right? And I really think of leadership and covering like that, that I'm in the slipstream of will. I'm in the slipstream of what Pastor Will's doing and what he's believing for. And it's actually a real blessing to be behind that. And sometimes, I don't know, as <laughs> we're humans, right? Pride can come in or different opinions can come in. And sometimes we hold opinions that are like, oh, I don't really agree with that. Or oh, I kind of have this preference. Or oh, maybe he looks like he's actually struggling on the front there. Maybe I should just, yeah. And sometimes you think, oh, I'm going to pull out. You know, I'm going to. And all of a sudden when you pull out, this wind hits you. And you realize in that moment that you weren't actually pushing the major force, that the leader was doing such a great thing. So I just really want to honor Dave and Mayer for what you do in this church. Let's honor them. So good. The way that you guys just push forward into that headwind, that you're believing for your, your church, you're believing, you're praying, you're believing for Timaru. And I know that this uh, city is richer because of the way you guys continue right out front. So yeah, I just want to honor you guys as leaders. Also want to thank you. <laughs> thank you for taking a, a chance on me this morning. <laughs> I think the only record you maybe have of maybe some of my work is that Maya actually marked some of my assignments uh, through my internship. And they were reasonable grades, so maybe, I don't know. Like, hopefully it's good this morning. But yeah, I want to thank you for taking a chance on me. Uh, as he said, I'm married. I've been married for almost two years. I know I look quite young, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm still real fresh. Um, but yeah, me and uh, my wife, Abby, lead the young adults ministry uh, down there, so the student ministry. And yeah, she serves on worship team. She was actually just up at Equipper, so I'm super excited to get back and see her and hear about what's been happening up there. So yeah, we lead up there and uh, well, down there, but it's just awesome. So it's a great privilege to be with you here this morning. Shall we pray and get into it? Yeah, so good. Hey God, I thank you so much that you're with us right here. I thank you where it says in your word that where uh, two or more gather together, there you are also. So your presence is here this morning. I pray that uh, you would uh, lift our hope here this morning, God, that you'd place uh, truth in our soul and it would just lift us all. I thank you for your presence. Amen. Amen. So good. Well, I don't know about you, but I think it's crazy that we're into the fourth month of the year. <laughs> like, when did that happen? I was planning January and now it's like, what? It's insane. And I don't know. I wonder, I have that question. What was the things that you hoped for at the start of the year? Because we're already four months in, and it seems like that's quite a long time ago. But what were those things that you had an expectation for for the year? For 2018, what were you hoping for? What were the promises that God put in your heart? What were the dreams that were expressed over those first few weeks? And then are they still there? Are they still there? You see, regardless of whether you're an intentional goal setter or not, I know you all have had moments at the beginning of the year where you let your heart hope for certain things. We thought maybe this year, could be this year. I'm really believing that this year is going to be better. Maybe at the start of the year, you were in a place relationally with God where you're like, man, we're on fire. <laughs> we're so close right now. And you let your heart dream big and you're like, man, I've just got so much hope. Alternatively, you could have been in a place where you felt very disappointed where you felt distant and maybe hope was a small word in your life at the start of the year. That's okay too. Come on, I'm believing this morning that God's going to put hope back into your heart, really believing for it. I don't know about you, but I'm really amazed by the country that God's blessed us with. 
man, New Zealand's incredible, right? I've recently made a friend, he's from South Africa, and each morning he gets a text from his parents over there to say what the condition of the country's like and say what they've had to deal with. And he showed me a document recently where it was just for the stats of the months of uh, March, and it was how many murders had happened on to farmers. And it was a staggering number, and I thought, God, you've blessed us with such a great country. Man, make us into more of a blessing to all those out there. So we're so blessed in this country, right? There's so much opportunity, you know? There's that opportunity to, to upskill, to send your, your kids. There's a hope to send your kids to a great school with edu- like great education, right? There's a great hope to be food on the table, for there to be job opportunities. Come on, we just live in such a blessed country. And as we're blessed, we're called to be a blessing, right? But although we live in a blessed country, and although there's so much opportunity, I also feel like there exists another world, a word in our society. And I believe that word is distraction. Distraction, right? It's like, man, there's so much opportunity here, but I'm kind of distracted with these other things right now. Kind of living a wee bit distracted. And I believe distraction can be one of the greatest challenges of our generation. I don't know if you've uh, looked around recently, but there's many things vying for our attention, right? So many things. There's actually a thing in my pocket right now called a phone, which could probably distract me for eternity. If I let it, man, the information on there is like omniscient. It's just like I could just I could delve into those games and videos and information for days. So it's incredible to know that we're actually a part of a generation that can live so distracted from what God's doing. And I believe distraction can go two ways. Number one, it can draw us away from the important and worthwhile things we're doing. Draw us away from what's important and worthwhile. Or alternatively, it can be the very thing we run to when we cannot cope. When we cannot cope or we're disappointed. I don't know about you, but if I'm disappointed in something, it's pretty easy to choose a distraction. (laughs) It can be the very tool we use to escape. And do you know that our nation, well, our civilization was formed by explorers, by exploration. And right now in the world, I feel like we're a little bit bored. So we've kind of explored a lot, and now we're just going to escapism instead of exploration. We're just using distraction as a tool instead of realizing that God still has a purpose in this season, that He wants everybody to know His name, to be loved by Him. Come on, there's still a great exploration for us in faith. So it can be the very thing we use to escape and distract us. So I've been talking a little bit bit about hope, and I thought we should bring in some Bible, right? You're like, this guy's not very good. He has none of this Bible thing. But in Proverbs 13, 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. I know you will have experienced that in your life. That when that hope was deferred, it, it, felt, it made you feel sick. It made you feel like, man, I'm so disappointed. But then when something was fulfilled, it was like, I'm on top of the world. This is awesome. I love life. I love life. And for me, another word for distraction is this word deferred. And the word deferred simply means to put off, to put off. Distraction is something we use to put off, right? So we're four months into the year or into the fourth month of the year. But what hope have you already deferred? What dreams have you run from and what things have you run to in order to distract yourself from the pain of disappointment? 
I could have preached a message that's all like happy chappy, but let's be honest, life's out there and sometimes we're going to be disappointed. There's things that perhaps right now that four months into the year, you're already feeling like it was a little disappointing compared to what you felt the promises of God were at the start of the year. So the title of my message this morning is simple. It's just one word, and that word is remain. Remain. It's a powerful word. Two weeks ago, this word just kept cycling through my brain. And then I got asked to preach it to me, and I'm like, is that, is that what I should talk on, guys? He's like, yeah. Talk on remaining, remaining. And I really believe that someone this morning needs to hear the hope that God has for you as you remain. As you remain. And remain, how do we look at the definition? It says, to continue to exist, especially after other similar people or things have ceased to do so. That's, that's, a, that's incredible. Continue to exist, especially after other similar people or things have ceased to do so. So it talks of longevity. It indirectly references the idea that people will fall away. And perhaps there'll be people who you thought were similar to you or who you thought were actually even better than you, or who you thought were equipped to do the season better than you. But in your character, you knew, no, I need to remain. I need to remain. You see, if you look at many great men and women in society, it's actually quite hard to put on why they're great, like put a finger on why they're great. It's like, man, like, why, why did you go, like, how did you get there when so many other talented men and women fell away? I don't know if I've grown up with lots of people and they seemed uber talented at high school and then it was just like, what are you doing now? And I think it's because the great men and women of our society have learned to remain. Come on, when disappointment hit, they learned to remain. Do you know that not much will be fulfilled if we do not learn to remain? You're like, who's this punk they sent up? <laughs> who's this 23-year-old just rocking in and no life experience and telling me to remain? You know nothing. Two years of marriage. What could have gone wrong? I know you're thinking it, so let's just voice it. But come on, if not much will be fulfilled if we do not learn to remain. Do not learn to remain. And this morning I want to read a biblical account of two men who originally chose not to remain. They originally chose not to remain. And it's in Luke 24, verse 13. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV version this morning, but you can join me in any version you would like. So yeah, Luke uh, 24, verse 13. Um, a little bit of context to the scriptures. Beforehand, Jesus has just died on the cross. He's just been crucified on the cross, handed over. Uh, biggest event in history has just happened. So he's died on the cross, and then in verses, uh, like chapter 24, verse 1 to 12, uh, the women actually go to his tomb to, and they find that he's not there in the tomb. Um, and two men who they say are gleaming like lightning uh, show up, probably angels. <laughs> um, they show up and say he's risen. And the two women, they actually believe uh, these two men or two angels and they, they head back to the disciples to let them know that Jesus is risen. But the disciples don't believe them and choose that, nah, we actually don't really agree with what you're saying. Even though, and some of them go visit the tomb and they're like, oh, he's not there, but he's still, we don't believe he's risen. So that's sort of the context of the scripture. And we pick it up on the road to Emmaus. That's the title in chapter 13. You're going to have to stick with me because it's quite a long one. Cool? <laughs> All right, let's read it. 
Now that same day, two of them, so two of the disciples, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how so slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things to, enter the, to then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Broke the bread. Long scripture this morning. But my key question is, what are you on the way to but you've left Jesus dead at your last stop? What are you on the way to but you've left Jesus dead at your last stop? Where are you on the way to but you've left hope at the last stop and now you're just traveling disappointed and hopeless? Heavy stuff. You see, these two disciples, they chose not to believe that Jesus was risen. And now they're just traveling disappointed and hopeless. You can hear it in their language. You see, when they talk about it, they talk about Jesus like he was in the past. He was done and gone. In verse 19 to 21, it says, they reply to Jesus saying, he was a prophet. Not as a prophet, he was a prophet. Powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, not we have hoped, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. He was meant to do that, but he kind of didn't in their eyes. So they had passed hope, but it was unrealized in reality, and then the hope is silenced. At the beginning of chapter 24, and the time of these disciples choosing not to believe the report that Jesus was risen, I believe they may have had a discussion that went a little like this. These two might have said something like, does it really matter where we're going? And the other one replies, nah, not really. Just so long as we don't have to stay here. 
so long as we don't have to stay here. You know, I thought we were gearing up for the big win. I thought this was our season. This was our time, you know. What were all those prophecies about our time about? And now it doesn't seem like it's our time. And now our star player is dead. What kind of season is this, God? So I know one thing. We're not staying here. We're not staying here. doesn't matter where we're going as long as it isn't here in our disappointment. You see, we know their journey had no great focus because of two points. Firstly, the reason for their travels has not been mentioned, so it's probably not deemed that important to the story. But secondly, in verse 30 to 33, as soon as they knew it was Jesus, it says they returned at once to where they'd come from. I don't know about you, but if they had an agenda in their other town, they might have not returned at once. But it says they returned at once, and they returned perhaps at night. They might have returned in the morning. I don't know how at once is not like a defined period of time, but it was pretty immediate, right? So we know their journey had no real great focus. They were disappointed, so they just wanted to not exist in their disappointment. They wanted to distract it. You see, on the third day of disappointment, these two disciples had had enough, so they decided to move on. Didn't matter what to, just so long as they didn't have to exist in what they'd hoped for. Perhaps you can identify with these two disciples this morning. Perhaps you can identify with them. Perhaps the hopes you had for the year have only led to disappointment. Realistically, there's going to be people this morning here that feel disappointed. Feel disappointed. Perhaps your disappointment is in the area of housing. <laughs> Maybe you really felt like you'd received some prophetic words or you dreamed or you felt God speak to you at the study is saying, this is your year that you're going to get into a house. And you're like, yeah, I can believe for that. Man, I'm really hoping for that, God. And then the dream home came up and you walked in and your heart attached itself to the place straight away. You're like, this is dreamy. This is what we want. You're like, where can we sign up? And the doors seem to open, but then all of a sudden they slam shut. You're like, God, what was that? I thought you told me this year that the housing thing was going to open up for me. That was your promise to me. What, what, what were those prophetic words then? And all of a sudden it seems like Jesus is dead at that open home. <laughs> seems like he's, he's forgotten that to live in your circumstance. He's forgotten to be God in your circumstance and you feel disappointed. You're like, man. But then you're kind of like, well, we do need a home. So you decide, oh, we'll go through the property presses. We'll search on Trade Me Housing. We'll, we'll go on like whatever we can and we'll go to open homes. But really, you're just on the way with no way. You're on the way to an open home, but you don't believe God can actually make a way for you. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go look at the home, but man, I don't really know if Jesus is going to come through for me. So I better actually start making this happen. <laughs> so you're on the way with no way. You're just disappointed. Maybe it's in the area of family. Maybe you're believing for a family member right now. Maybe there's a family member who really needs to know Jesus, needs to know his transformational power, needs to know healing right now. And you really felt like you saw progress and you really felt like God was moving in their life. And you're like, wow, this is awesome, God. I have a great hope to see my family member in church this year. And all of a sudden the door just seemed to slam shut. They went backwards 15,000 steps and you thought it's over. And now it feels like Jesus doesn't care about your family member, that God's power no longer exists, and it seems like Jesus is dead. And now when you go to see that family member, there's no great hope in your heart that Jesus can actually come through in that person's life. It's like, man, I'm on the way to see my friend, but I just don't believe you're going to make a way, God. I just believe there's no way. 
Maybe it's in the area of jobs. Maybe you're believing for a job. Maybe you're feeling like there's actually a real, like, there's a prophetic word there that says you're going to receive a job this year. And you're like, I can hope for that. I can believe for that, God. And you really let yourself dream. Maybe it was a promotion you were after. Maybe it was a change of career you really felt God was leading you into. And then it seemed like all the doors shut again. And it was like, God, I thought you, you had this for me. I let my heart hope. And now it just feels like I'm disappointed and your power's not in it anymore. Maybe Jesus is dead at your last stop. The disciples left Jerusalem because Jesus was dead in Jerusalem and they couldn't stand it anymore. What they'd hoped for had not come to pass. So they just went on the way with no way. You see, in life we all experience moments of disappointment. We all experience moments of disappointment. Even the person you think has got it all together experiences moments of disappointment. The problem is that we then carry that disappointment around with us. We don't leave it in the moment. We take it with us on the journey. (laughs) But who knows, there's always that one friend. There's always that one friend who just seems to be rainbows and lollipops. (laughs) Seems to always know what to say, man. They're just so hopeful. It's like, just pray about it. God's coming through. Like, ah, no need to worry about it. It'll all work out. Oh, my gosh, it's amazing. Life's so good. And you're like, seriously? Like, I like that sometimes, but sometimes I just want to be real. And they're probably being more real because they're preaching more truth. But at that moment, you're like, I want to be real with my realness. So who knows? There's always that one friend. And I love in this chapter in Luke 24 that Jesus is that one friend. Jesus says, I'm going to be that one friend today. You see, in verse 18, when the, the disciples tell Jesus, are you the only one who doesn't know what just happened? Are you the only one? And it's like you catch up with your friend and all your other friends have been like, oh, yeah, that is actually a really hard circumstance. And you catch up with that one friend and they're like, I just pray about it. It'll be fine. You're like, are you the only one who doesn't understand how life works? Seriously, man. So these disciples are like to Jesus, are you the only one who doesn't know what happened? Are you the only one who doesn't feel or hasn't seen the shocking reality of what just occurred in Jerusalem? And I can assure you that Jesus was not ignorant. Of what had just happened in Jerusalem. He, he sort of knew what, what had happened, right? Sort of the main character. So he's not ignorant. He's well aware, but what he had was inside information that confirmed that what everyone else saw and thought was not representative of the truth. They saw part of the picture, but they didn't see the fullness. So he's walking around with hope. He's probably the only guy on that road who has hope. The only guy who, who kind of was from Jerusalem who had hope, if you were a Christian at that stage. Do you know that hope is a lonely stance sometimes? It's a rarely lonely stance sometimes. You see, a true person with hope has hope regardless of their awareness of their reality of their situation. Because their hope is not in the situation, it's rooted in God. What's God said over you? Come on, those hopes that you have there, what did God say? What did God say? Put your hope in that this morning. Put your your trust in that this morning. Because all I know is that the guy who designed the earth probably knows best how to make it work. It's funny how we trust ourselves. I've got a bit of experience, God. You don't know, I've been 10 years now, like, doing this thing. Like, and he's like, I made the earth. I made the processes. I know best how to bring about victory in your world. That's why it says he's working for the good of us. 
He knows what's up. So Jesus knows what's up in this situation. Maybe I'm that one friend this morning. <laughs> right, that little punk, who invited this guy? I'm that one friend this morning, that one friend saying, come on, remain, remain. It's not done. You can still carry hope this morning. So these two disciples couldn't stand the disappointment, so they decided not to remain. But here's the thing. Even if you're on the way out of there, do you know God can still meet you on the way? Even if you're on the way out of there, God can still meet you on the way. Even if you're on the way with no way, can I tell you this morning that Jesus can still show up in your situation? He can still show up in your situation. They thought he was dead. A dead guy showed up in their situation. I love that. Maybe your expectations and hopes weren't met, so you decided to move on. And it doesn't matter where you're on the way to right now. All that matters is that you're moving away from the disappointment of unmet hope. I love the disciples in chapter 24. I identify with the disciples in chapter 24. They're on the way with no way. So many times in my life, I've been on the way with no way. I haven't believed that Jesus can come through for me. In my studies, I actually have dyslexia, and I was really believing that God called me to university. I thought, man, this is going to be tough, God. I have to work my butt off. He said, no, just trust me. And I remember getting my first internal grade back, and it wasn't good. Like, God, you told me to go to university. Where are you? Like, this is terrible. I'm freaking out right now because I haven't actually got it in me. So I was relying on you showing up, and you don't seem to have done so. You seem a little dead in my situation right now. You seem a little dead in the promises, a little dead in the prophecy. And it's like, man, what are you doing, God? So in that first year, I would scrape through internally, and then I'd rock up to my exams. But as I'm on the way to my exams, I didn't really believe that God could come through for me. I was just on the way, but I didn't really, there's no way that I actually believed that God was going to come through. Maybe you're on the way to somewhere with no way. So in other words, these disciples, they're on the way to somewhere with no intentions, but to distract and escape the situation that looked dire. That looked like there was no way to redeem the hurt. That was the reality of it. But what I love is that as they're on the way, with no way, the way shows up. I love that. We sang a song called Yahweh. We could chuck that in there this morning. If you're on the way with no way, Yahweh shows up in the situation. Come on, I love that. That the way can show up in your situation this morning, even if you don't have a hope. You see, in John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come on, He's the way. And His truth is going to bring about life in your situation. Not the reality of your situation, but His truth is going to bring about life. His truth is going to bring about life. And as Jesus comes into their hopeless journey, and what I love is that He doesn't make a way where they're going. He makes a way where they've come from. I think that's significant. He doesn't make a way where they're going. He makes a way where they came from. I already felt that significant this morning that Sometimes we distract ourselves and we think, we'll just go to the next thing. And we go, God, show up there, please, because I'm disappointed there. But we carry our disappointment with us. So I love that in this story, he makes a way where they've come from. He, he shows that he's risen in the situation that they thought he'd died in. I think that's amazing. You see, the disciples getting to the next destination was never going to heal them. Never going to heal them. 
So many times in my life, I've decided that a next destination is going to fulfill me, going to heal me. And it hasn't happened. They were just taking their disappointment with them to another location. But Jesus gives them hope for the situation, the location they have come from by showing his power. What situation right now are you running from or distracting from because you believe Jesus is dead? Come on, this morning, he can show up in that, that place where you thought he was dead. And that home that you thought was yours, he can show up and come through for you. And that job, he can show up and come through for you. He's not dead. He's not dead. He can still bring about victory in your world. He can still bring about victory. Come on, it's time to get your hope back on. It's time to get your hope back on this morning. It's time to remain. Come on, God can make a way for you in the hopeless situation. He can make a way. You don't have to defer it. You don't have to defer it. Trust in him. You don't have to live distracted from your pain. You don't have to because Jesus is showing up and he's making the way. He's making the way. He's bringing the truth and he's bringing the life right now. Come on, he's making a way where you thought there was no way. He's pulling victory from defeat this morning. Victory from defeat. He's turning the impossible into your testimony. Come on, who needs an impossible testimony in this place? Come on, who needs miraculous to break out in this place? Come on, he's turning the impossible into your testimony. He's taking back territory from the devil. Come on, my favorite phrase this year is, devil, get your hands off the university. Devil, get your hands off our students. The statistics say that 80% of Christians fall away when they come to university. That may be so, but I'm believing that that's not going to be the path for our students. Come on, devil, get your hands off what's not your property. Get your hands off them. And it was incredible to see that this year in O-Week, the amount of students who just rocked up and said, I want to be part of church. It was amazing. Throughout the past years, people rock up to your 10 and they go, who are you? What are you doing? What are you selling? What do I have to sign up to to get? And you're like, oh, we're a church. They're like, oh, okay, and stuff like that. This year, I only got asked three times across three days, who are you? Everyone else rocked up and we heard, hey, we hear you're a church. We'd love to get planted in a church. We want to check you guys out. It's like incredible. I'm going into halls with Red Frogs, which is a student ministry to cook pancakes. And people are approaching me going, oh, we hear you're from church and stuff like that. How can we get connected? The first night of O-Week, the Monday night, I went into a hall and I got talking to a girl. Turns out she was the president of the hall. We got talking for half an hour, and by the end of it, she was like, do you know that I used to go to church? I was like, really? Wow. She's like, I left because I thought it was just full of a whole bunch of old judgy people. I'm like, I'm sure they weren't trying to be like that. Have you thought about coming back to church? She's like, I, maybe, and stuff like that. Three weeks ago, she walked through the doors. I'm so excited. And imagine that, that, that she, how influential she is. The president. I'm like, wow, God, I didn't cook a single pancake that evening. I just talked about Jesus. It's amazing to see the way that God makes a way when we start declaring things, when we start remaining in our hope. Do you know that Red Frogs hadn't done much for five years in Dunedin, really? We'd seen about one person in church from five years of serving, sowing money and finances and time into it. And our hope was a little despondent. But we said, no, we need to remain. Pastor Will talked to me at the beginning of the year and said, hey, mate, I think we need to cut red frogs. And I said, no, let's go one more time. I believe that there's breakthrough. I think it would be silly to, to shut the doors that are open right now. And a little phrase we, we coined up was that an open door is not an opportunity, it's an obligation. 
It's an obligation. If God makes a way, it's important that we walk through it. Come on, God's going to make a way for you this year. And that hope that you'd hope for at this year and that disappointment, He's going to bring about healing. He's going to bring about healing. Come on, it's time to return to your hope. Maybe you're on the way on that road and you're halfway and you need Jesus to show up in your situation this morning. Come on, I'm going to believe that He's showing up for you this morning. Because even if you're on the way with no way, the way, Yahweh can still show up. Jesus is not dead at your last location. He's alive and He's healing your disappointment. Just to close, I want to read that verse 30 to 33 again. Really powerful stuff. This really impacted me, actually. Did a lot for my faith. Verse 30 just says this. It says, when he was at the table with them, this is Jesus. When he was at the table with him, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. At once. You see, in life, sometimes it takes a moment that reminds us of Jesus' power. A moment that reignites our belief and hope. An action, not just words. An action, not just words. You see what? Because Jesus was on the road with them and he actually, he told them the whole story of how he was going to come. He unpacked the Old Testament of lining up the testimony. He told them about the prophecies, but they didn't see him then. It says they saw him when he acted like the Jesus they had placed their hope in. When he acted like the Jesus they placed their hope in. This morning, maybe you need to see the action of God in your life again. Do you know that through Easter, I was hearing all the truth, but something wasn't connecting with my spirit. And I needed to have an action of Christ, and He came and encountered me again. And I thought, man, that's how I put my hope in. It's weird how the truth can get distorted, but an encounter with Christ can never be distorted. Come on, this morning, do you need an encounter with Him? An action of Christ in your life? Him showing up in your world? You know, I could have preached a message about what's to come. <laughs> what's next? Where's the new adventure? And everyone gets all excited and amped up because it's like, yeah, new, awesome. Don't have to deal with that stuff in the past that I don't want to deal with. I could have preached something new, but I really felt like God laid on my heart that word, remain. To remain in your hope. Remain in what God said for you. Not deferring hope, not just distracting, not just escaping, but remaining or for some things returning to that which you'd hope for. Come on, we are a generation who do not need distraction to escape this broken world. So many people are self-medicating now because they can't handle the brokenness of this world. Come on, we carry the medication in our spirit. We carry Jesus. Come on, we're a generation who know how to remain in hope. Remain in expectation and the promises of God. Come on, we're a generation who aren't just going to pick a path, pick a different way each time we reach disappointment. We're not going to be like that. We're going to stay the path. We're a generation who knows the way. The way. Come on, I don't want to be a part of a church who just talks about God. I want to see God move. I want to see God move. I love that there's so many stories, and I'm like, that's awesome for you guys. But the same God is still powerful in my life. I can see great and wonderful things. And it actually says in Scriptures that we'll do even greater. (laughs) I don't know about you, but my life probably hasn't quite measured up to what's happened in scriptures yet. 
So I can, can I believe for that first? And then maybe I could hope for greater. Come on, I'm believing in the action of Christ in our season. This world needs the action of Jesus. They need the action of Jesus. So good. So this morning, it's not just about words. It's not just about words. Preaching is not the main event. Your encounter with God is the main event. Worship's the main event. Because <laughs> it's where we connect with God. and We're reminded of, of His faithfulness, of His goodness to us. Maybe you're like the disciples and you've been hearing all the right things lately. You've been turning up to church. You've been reading your Bible. You've been hearing Him speak, but nothing is quite sunk in. You can hear the truth, but it's not quite having an impact yet. It doesn't feel like anything's changing. Well, this morning, can we pray into the action of God in our lives? Could we pray for an encounter right now? Could we pray for that seed of hope placed back in that prophecy? This morning, let's stand and let's pray. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you're here with us this morning. I thank you for the way you've unpacked the scripture and the way you've put hope back on the table. But right now, I pray for an encounter. I pray for all those people who are feeling despondent, who are feeling like their hope's just being deferred, who are feeling a little sick. I pray that right now you would you would show up in their situation, you would show up in their life, and you would reveal yourself as Christ the Savior, as Christ the, the grave defeater, as Christ the one who can draw the impossible out of the broken. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing right now in these people. I thank you right now that hope's being uh, planted back into their hearts right now, that you're reviving strength in their soul to go again. You're reviving strength to hope again. You're reminding them of, of, of your power in their lives, Father God. I pray that in the weeks to come, Father, that you would encounter each one of them and it would become alive in their spirit again, that they would not be despondent. They would not just be on the way with no way, but they'd realize that the way is planted in them this morning, that there's gonna be a way made in the situation, that you care so intrinsically about what's happening. We declare over Timaru right now, the level of hope rise in this place. Expectation for breakthrough, expectation for salvation. We prophesy into movie May that there will be 20 new salvations, Father God. We pray that right now that there would be that, that, that rise in the city, that there'll be a sudden breakthrough, an immediate breakthrough, Father God. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're doing. Jesus, in the deep disappointment and hurt, I pray you're healing right now. In the hurt that feels unbearable, I pray you put a little seed of hope in there. And it will grow a garden of life in their lives. really felt like there was this morning that God was reminding you of a prophecy that you'd received a long time ago and you perhaps had deferred it or you perhaps were living distracted because it hadn't seemed like it had come to pass. I really feel like God's wanting to highlight that prophecy and say, no, that is my word. That's the truth. <laughs> That's the truth. And 
your current reality doesn't define that truth. His power defines that truth in your life. So I just really believe right now that I want to pray for you for breakthrough in that prophecy right now, that that hope would be lifted again, that there wouldn't be a despondency in your spirit, but there would be an elevation of your spirit right now and an elevation of hope in your life. So God, we just lift up Dave right now. We, we thank you for his pastor heart in the city, but I thank you, God, that you've placed a vision in his heart as well. Father God, I thank you that he carries a, a prophetic word in his soul. And right now you're you're reminding him of that. You're placing hope back in that situation that he doesn't need to lower his expectations because you're a God who is great and big. He doesn't need to have small dreams because he serves a God who has a big vision, who, who has big hands, who has incredible power. So we, we pray that right now, Father God, that hope would be released in his life. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in this situation right now, Lord. I pray that there'll be a moment that you remind him this week through your action in his life of your power. Amen. Amen. So good. So good. Man, I felt a shift. I felt like something, a little bit of hope rise in my soul again. This morning, I don't want to bypass the moment to offer you the relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're in this place and you don't know Him or you feel far from Him. I really want to offer you the opportunity to invite Him into your world because He's the one who changes everything. He's the one who brings the power into the situation. He's the one who loves us unconditionally. Man, I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done in my life. If it were not for Him, I would not know who I was. So I want to give an opportunity this morning if you want to respond to Jesus, and I'm just going to do a raise. I'm just going to get everyone to bow their head and close their eyes just to respect you guys. And if that's you this morning, I'm just going to count to three. And on that uh, third, then if you want to respond to Jesus and invite him into your heart, then you can do that just by raising your hand. I'll acknowledge that, and then you can put it down. So on the count of three, one, two, three. If that's you this morning and you want to respond to Jesus, then just raise your hand. Respond this morning and just raise your hand. Cool. Hey, well, I don't get the eyes back out. Hey, I haven't seen any hands this morning, but that's all good because we know God's moving. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I can believe for your city. Come on, don't, don't let me believe for your city more than you believe for your city. <laughs> Come on, can we believe that over the next month there's going to be salvation in this place? There's going to be lives healed, and it's not about numbers. It's actually about the Father heart of God. Do you know that revival is not something that we conjure up in our brain? It's actually the Father heart of God. It actually comes when we align ourselves with His Word, with what He wants. Each and every person in this city, God desires. So could we just partner this morning? Why don't you just pray for that one person in your world who you're believing for, for for one minute this morning? Let's just pray for those people. Lift up your voice. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this city. I thank you, God, for salvation. And we just pray right now that in this place that salvation would break out. Father God, Lord, that there would be a, your Father heart to be, to be shown in this city.
Yes, God, we, we lift up all the prayers right now. We say amen to each one of them. And we thank you for the testimony that is to come of people walking into this place, people being restored, people being rehealed, people just being uh, lifted into a place of hope, God, that there would not be a despondency in this place of Timaru, but there'd be a great hope. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that wherever you are, you have an impact. We lift up every single one of those people right now, your loved ones and your mighty name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. So good. So good. Let's praise Jesus one more time. Come on. He's so good. We praise you, God. We praise you. Thank you, Lord. So good. I'm going to hand over to Dave now, but thank you for having me this morning. (laughs) Come on, let's put our hands together for Matt. It's a great word. Awesome. Awesome. We'll have you back, man. Awesome. It's great. Remain.